Solving for complex adaptive challenges is difficult work. So many considerations and things to think about to achieve hoped-for goals. For most OD practitioners, solving for a complex adaptive challenge is not a well-developed skill. Most practitioners approach the task with an incomplete understanding of all the considerations or parts to be effective in solving the challenge, issue, or opportunity. Hence, what emerges from the effort is a solution that is often suboptimal, overly ambiguous, and lacking real commitment from all key stakeholders to be successful. The good news is, solving for a complex adaptive challenge does not need to be all mystery. It does not need to be left for chance. One can intentionally orchestrate or architect a design that leads to widespread stakeholder commitment, breakthrough innovations, and ongoing sustained success. How is this possible? Well, the secret is in the sequence. Hence, in today's episode, we discuss both what is and how to design innovation sequences to solve any complex adaptive challenge. So if you're ready, let's begin. Welcome to another episode of All Things OD, where I'm here to help you offer more, be more, and live more. Whether you're serving as an OD practitioner, change management professional, or business transformation consultant. I'm your host, Randall Scott, and it's great to be with you here today. As mentioned, in today's episode, we're going to discuss what is an innovation sequence. How do we define it? We're going to discuss how to design an innovation sequence, its key components, including sharing three case studies of real-life sequences, and last, we'll discuss the critical success factors when designing and leading an innovation sequence. Now, before we begin, I want to share with you a free resource that complements our discussion today, and that is a free 90-minute workshop on 10 strategies that you can use to help elevate, revitalize, and transform your career. If you've been wanting to develop yourself professionally, but lacked either the time or money, then this capability development training is for you. You can access the free training at henosispartners.com workshop, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can click on the link in the description below. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. So we begin by defining what are innovation sequences. Innovation sequences represent the dance moves in bringing about systemic-based transformative change. They represent the design architecture to solve for a complex adaptive challenge. Specifically, they represent an intentionally structured sequence of strategic conversations to produce the desired result, whether you're looking to resolve a conflict, vision the future, and so forth. Innovation sequences can be designed at multiple scales. We can design events of a few days, processes of several months, or platforms that operate for years. And a single event can spark new or transformed relationships and insights, 
while longer-term platforms can enable new capabilities and initiatives leading to sustainable systemic transformation. All right, with that brief overview of what are innovation sequences, we now ask the question, what are the macro outcomes of an innovation sequence? The first outcome is that new networks and collaborative alliances are born. As stakeholders shift from being unwilling or unable to work together, to building their capacity to work together across their differences. Another outcome is that systemic insights are generated as stakeholders shift from seeing and understanding only their part of what is going on to broadening and deepening their understanding of what is happening in the whole. And lastly, new transformative actions are generated as stakeholders shift from acting in a way that keeps things the way they are, the status quo, to acting both separately and together in new ways to change what is happening, to transform the system. As an OD change professional, how you construct and architect design sequences is a function of the types or kinds of conversations that need to occur to achieve your desired outcomes. Next, we discuss the architecture of innovation. The architecture of innovation represents the hidden side of transformative change. It's similar to how architectural blueprints represent the hidden side of your house. As an OD change professional, your task is to bring together agents, events, and ideas to catalyze transformative learning and systemic change. Agents in this regard represents the system-wide actors or key stakeholders that have been brought together to help solve your conflict or to help vision the future or whatever your challenge is. Events represent the dialogic-based events that we design and facilitate to help resolve the challenge. And ideas come from the agents, which represent the current day issues, including how best to solve them. We refer to this task as orchestrating or creating the conditions for transformative change to occur via an architecture of innovation. It is important to know that all social innovations can be characterized and are realized by four macro movements. Together, such movements represent an innovation sequence. The first movement is to create a shared understanding of the challenge, problem, or issue. It is often the case that there is a lack of shared understanding, which has resulted in the challenge, problem, or issue. And so our first step is to create a shared understanding. From there, we create a shared intention of what to do. We establish a common goal to get all system actors rowing in the same direction. And with a shared understanding and shared intentions comes aligned actions as key stakeholders begin to prototype the new as they experiment their way forward. And lastly, and unbeknownst to those participating, we look to transform relations all along the way. So together then, these four movements collectively represent an innovation sequence, and you'll see examples of this later in the episode. As mentioned, innovation sequences collectively represent a conversational architecture, and they differ for every type of challenge encountered. We begin by discussing the hidden side of innovation sequences, and this speaks to the intentional orchestration or design of both conversations and interactions. And so relative to the challenge or problem that we're being asked to help solve, we ask, 
What design sequence is most needed to solve the complex adaptive challenge confronting us? We ask what kinds of conversations or interactions could lead to creating a shared understanding of the complex adaptive challenge. We ask what kinds of conversations and interactions could lead to creating a shared intention of how best to solve the challenge. We ask what kinds of conversations and interactions could lead to aligned actions amongst a diverse group of stakeholders. And lastly, we ask what kinds of conversations and interactions could lead to transformed relationships that result in ongoing engagement, commitment, collaboration, and trust of all involved. The visible side of innovation sequences speaks to the dialogic events, including the activities, the people, and the approach that we utilize to bring the design to life. It's the physical activity of actively engaging and conversing with diverse others to solve a complex adaptive challenge. Now, by design, such events are meant to disrupt the status quo. Collectively, the interaction and integration of agents, events, and ideas are meant to disrupt existing patterns, to change our intended direction of travel. So how do we do this? Well, it begins with understanding the anatomy of an innovation sequence. Now, there are several elements that comprise a well-formed innovation sequence, the first of which is to define the end state. We begin with the end in mind, a clear vision of what your intended direction of travel is, of what better looks like. And the end state could reflect resolving a conflict, visioning the future, re-engineering a process, or exploiting an emerging opportunity. Once you've defined your end state, the next thing to consider is the movements. And there are three primary movements that we see in a well-formed innovation sequence. We see diverge movements, where people and ideas are moving apart. We see converge movements, where people and ideas are moving together. And then we see emerge movements, which represents the space in between diverge and converge. If you're interested in learning more about specific movements, there's a good book by Bella Banathy called Designing Social Systems in a Changing World. Next, you need to consider the different diagnostic, dialogic, and experiential tools and tactics that will reflect the design of your innovation sequence. So for example, you may want to use a number of diagnostic tools to understand the current state as an input to facilitating a dialogic event. And some of the tools you may want to use are dialogue interviews, narrative harvesting, Conducting surveys or questionnaires is often a common diagnostic technique. Conducting focus groups, doing some desk research, conducting assessments or a benchmarking study, doing direct observation, and data gathering. All of these different tools can help you define your current state as a source input to facilitating the dialogic event. And when defining a dialogic event, we have a number of tools at our disposal. Tools such as the World Cafe, the use of open space technology, the circle method, appreciative inquiry, future search, the conference model, human system dynamics, scenario planning, collaborative loops, study circles, and ancient wisdom councils, in addition to several other dialogic-based tools. Often when we design a dialogic-based event, 
we leverage multiple of these tools, as you'll see in the later case studies that we talk about. And lastly, we can employ experiential tools, tools to help deepen learning for all involved. We can use tools such as an empathy walk or conducting a site or field trip into the system to engage the edges. We could participate in a cultural immersion journey or initiate self-journaling exercises. We could initiate an action research study or have stakeholders participate in a vision quest or wilderness type of retreat. We could engage a panel of experts to share divergent views to expand the thinking for all involved. Rapid prototyping is a common experiential tool as part of the broader end-to-end -end innovation sequence, as is learning in the flow of work. So as you will see, we leverage all forms of these tools, diagnostic tools, dialogic tools, and experiential tools to help us design an innovation sequence. Now, as you consider the different tools to help you design your innovation sequence, you also need to be given some thought to the different forms of connecting. Innovation sequences are highly participative events, usually involving dozens, if not hundreds, of individuals. And as discussed, we design innovation sequences very strategically to execute or commence a series of cascading yet interlocked conversations to achieve a desired goal or outcome. Again, that could be resolving a conflict, visioning the future, or trying to improve operational performance. Now, a key aspect in doing this in designing the conversational sequence is to consider the different forms by which individuals could interact, that is, the style of participation. And there are seven different ways that individuals could connect or participate within a dialogic-based event. One connection type is individual, where an individual is connecting with their inner self through perhaps a reflective journaling type of exercise. Another connection type is pairs, where we design a paired exercise, such as an empathy walk, to get others to understand and appreciate the points of views and perspectives of others who have been brought together to solve a challenge. A very common connection type is circle, which represents a plenary gathering of people, and circle gatherings occur multiple times typically within an end-to-end -end innovation sequence. Panels are yet another way that individuals could connect within a dialogic-based event, where we assemble a set of experts to help broaden the thinking for all involved. Breakouts are also a very common type of connection form, where we establish subteams to perhaps address a challenge question or perform an exercise to later perform a knowledge share for the broader group to consider. We could employ stations, which are more self-directed or interest-based type of breakout groups. The use of stations is very common when employing, for example, the open space technology method. And lastly, we could design as part of our end-to-end -end innovation sequence a cohort type of activity, such as a vision quest, conducting a field or site visit out into the system to engage the edges. So as with the tools that we just discussed, one could employ many different ways for individuals to connect within a dialogic-based event. All right, let's understand more deeply these various forms of connecting, beginning with individual. Within an innovation sequence, we may want to design in different types of individual exercises. And some of the use cases include the following. We might want to get individuals to journal what one is seeing, thinking, and feeling in the moment. We may want to get them to self-reflect on their thoughts, on their mental models, their assumptions, and beliefs 
on what's emerging for them individually. We may want them to spend some time to consider other people's perspectives on a topic, issue, situation, or event that has occurred. And towards the end of an innovation sequence, where a team might be engaging in experimental type of activities, we might have individuals reflect on what one is doing as they're conducting an experiment or developing their capabilities via a learning-in-the-flow-of-work exercise or activity. Some of the use cases for paired activities include relationship building, or a deepening of one's relationship with another, via dialogue interviews, paired walks, and challenge exercises. We design in these types of activities to get people to share their diverse perspectives and points of view for feedback and possible challenge. It's an opportunity for individuals to share their stories, their narratives, their ideas to better understand one's perspective or point of view. And it's also an opportunity for individuals to put themselves into the shoes of another, to empathize with others both emotionally and cognitively. As mentioned, circle activities are very common in an end-to-end -end innovation sequence. Some of the typical use cases include doing a full team check-in or check-out. It's an opportunity to hear every voice to ensure that all are heard, including the marginalized. Bringing people together in the form of a circle or in the plenary is very common following a breakout type of exercise, where we are now asking individuals to share collectively what was learned, what was emerging for the group. It's an opportunity for all to share their experiences, their stories, their narratives, their perspectives in the whole on a particular topic or issue. And the other use cases for Circle include doing general team introductions and at the end of a dialogic-based event, doing some next steps planning. Often you might find a need to introduce a panel type of exercise as part of your end-to-end -end design. And this could be a one-way or two-way dialogue on a specific topic or issue that's pertinent to the challenge to resolve. I personally like to use panels as an opportunity to integrate the broader ecosystem and beyond for ideas regarding a particular topic or issue, to expand the thinking of all involved, both leadership and staff. And in this regard, panels often serve as a catalyst to develop strategic options and new recommendations for team-based consideration. And panels are often used to report the findings or results from commissioning a paper or action research study. Some of the typical use cases for breakout groups includes the following to discuss current narratives that might exist or prevail regarding a topic or issue of relevance to the challenge to solve. We may use breakouts to align on subcultural views and perspectives regarding a topic or issue or situation. We may use breakouts to ideate or brainstorm on a topic for broader team discussion, such as what are the underlying root cause issues to a problem or what might be some of the possible solutions to eliminating or mitigating the issues? Or we might use breakouts to simply engage in a team-based activity, such as an icebreaker exercise. As mentioned earlier, stations are often a very common type of breakout group when leveraging the open space technology method. With that method and with stations, some of the typical use cases include brainstorming or exploring future-focused possibility-centric opportunities for improvement. We might use stations to develop and discuss some candidate recommendations for broader team consideration. Stations are also a good way to force a team to explore the new by doing 
by letting people to follow their own energy and what they're interested in and passionate about. And stations are often a very good design activity when wanting to review or discuss artifacts that have been created from prior group activities. We might refer to these stations as galley walks. And lastly, some of the use cases for cohort type of activities might be to explore aspects of the broader system as a field trip or a site visit, or perhaps as a broader cultural immersion journey. A cohort might be brought together to design an experiment in the form of a social innovation lab or to participate in team-based capability development training. So when you design your innovation sequences, you should consider all of these different ways that individuals could connect or participate. Individual, pairs, circle, panel, breakouts, stations, and cohorts. Next, one must consider the logistical elements of an innovation sequence. And the first thing that we consider is event location. Regardless of the type of complex adaptive challenge that you're trying to solve, event location matters. I often represent picking a serene location off-site that will allow for hard thinking to occur. Next, you need to consider room arrangement. It's important to remember that Open spaces produce open results and closed spaces produce closed results. So in this regard, you want to have an open space. And the design of your room matters. In addition to having an open space design, you also want to consider wall space. As in a dialogic-based event, we often make use of wall space to hang artifacts or templates or posters to help capture the thoughts and ideas of all involved. Next, you need to consider the special requirements of your attendees regarding refreshments and accommodations. Perhaps security is an important consideration for your event or having medical support. Technology is often an important consideration. You'll need to give consideration to the audio-visual aspects of your event. Will your event be videotaped? And if so, do you need to hire a team to focus on that type of activity? You need to consider the supplies and resources to enable your event. What paper, pens, markers will you need to support your event? Next, you need to consider the duration and cadence of your event. Will your event be a one-off exercise or part of a longer cascade over several weeks or months? You need to consider the extracurricular activities that you might schedule as part of your end-to-end -end innovation sequence. Scheduling field trips or site visits or having a team participate in a vision quest often requires making arrangements long in advance. And lastly, you need to consider the documentation needs of the event. What type of documentation might you be bringing into the event in the form of a pre-read document? How are you going to document activities during the event? And what might you produce post-event in the form of a report? It's the logistics of an event that often make or break an event. And for this reason, you need to consider all of these separate considerations. Now, as the duration of an event can span days, months, and years, let me share with you a number of different examples to bring this to life. So the types of events that might span a day or days could be about reimagining or transforming an end-to-end -end process. It could be about visioning an integrated enterprise capability, such as standing up a new capability around data analytics or PMO governance or agile transformation. Typically, it might be about resolving an internal conflict or helping to resolve a multi-stakeholder issue. Events that might span months include the following, such as reimagining an organization, 
in terms of its vision and strategy. Conducting mergers and acquisitions due diligence planning and prep work for integration visioning. The event might be about bringing a new product to market, about new product design and introduction into the marketplace. Events that might span years include designing and implementing a broader ecosystem strategy and partnership. It might be about initiating an enterprise-wide cultural transformation effort. Or it might be addressing a wicked problem, such as environmental sustainability. So as you design your innovation sequence, you need to give some thought to, will this event span a day or days, months or years? And how are we connecting those separate events together to achieve the outcomes that we hope for? And the last component to design a well-formed innovation sequence is to consider the people. That is, those who will be participating in the innovation sequence itself to solve your complex adaptive challenge. And when thinking about people, you need to be thinking in two regards. First off, who do I need to include that represents the end-to-end -end system, that represents the point of views and perspectives of the end-to-end -end system? And beyond that, you need to consider diversity and diversity in two regards. Cognitive diversity, which reflects different perspectives and points of views, different knowledge skills and capabilities, different subject matter expertise, a different lived history, different experience levels, and different orientations in terms of internal versus external to the system. In addition to inviting people that reflect high cognitive diversity, you also want to invite people that reflect high demographic diversity in terms of different ages, ethnicities, role and responsibilities, genders, socioeconomic status, level and seniority, and education level. Inviting the right people to solve your complex adaptive challenge is the key to solving the challenge. And by inviting individuals that reflect the end-to-end -end system, that reflect high cognitive diversity, and that reflect high demographic diversity, you increase your chances of effectively solving the challenge. All right, to bring it all together then, we design innovation sequences by integrating all parts to form a more important whole. And we begin with the end in mind. What is our end goal? What is our preferred direction of travel? From there, we consider the different movements that comprise our design, such as diverge movements, converge movements, and emerge movements in between. We consider the diagnostic, dialogic, and experiential tools that we can leverage to help us design our innovation sequence. We consider the different forms of connectivity, the different type of strategic conversations that need to occur to help us solve our complex adaptive challenge. We consider the logistics of the event, knowing that logistics can make or break the event. And lastly, and the key to it all, is that we need to get the right people into the room. Know this, the integration of the right components in the right sequence is the key to unlocking system transformation. Alright, now that we've looked at the various elements that comprise for a well-formed innovation sequence, let's take a look at a real-life case study to see what this looks like. The first case study I want to share with you is a case about resolving an intractable multi-stakeholder issue. This was an in-person event, and the duration was a day and a half. 
So the planning for this event actually began about 45 days in advance, where we were looking to conduct a number of one-on-one -on -one dialogue interviews to gather individual feedback on the different perspectives of the intractable issue or problem. So this exercise was about capturing the various points of views, the different perspectives, and capturing some stories along the way. After we conducted the interviews, we prepared a report for team review during the Dialogic event, and we distributed the report one week prior as a pre-read. This type of movement represents more of a diverge movement, and the connection type was pairs. On day one of the event, which represented just an afternoon, or the point five of the day and a half long event, we began with a check-in and orientation, where we covered the various objectives for the event, discussed the day one agenda, did team introductions, and had each person provide their intentions for the event. We wanted to make sure that all voices were heard as part of our initial check-in. This was also a divergent movement, and the connection was circle. After our check-in, we then initiated a World Cafe event, which comprised three rounds of discussion regarding the pre-read materials that were provided to the team. It was an opportunity for all involved to discuss the interview findings, to share stories, and understand the current prevailing narratives about the intractable issue. It was also an opportunity for people to share what they felt were the root causes of the issue. This was a divergent movement, and the connection was breakout dialogues. And we concluded day one with a self-reflection exercise, and individual exercise, where people were asked to write an essay from the point of view of being outside the system of what the system looks like, and then another essay from the point of view of being inside the system, with specific emphasis on how each person might have been contributing to the problem. This reflects an out there versus in here type of reflective activity. This type of movement was emergent in nature, and the connection type was individual reflection. On day two, which represented a full day of activity, we began as we did with day one with a check-in. We had each person share their intentions for the day. We did a recap on the day one activities, including having some light discussion on the key learnings and the insights, and then we reviewed the agenda for the day. This represented a divergent movement, and the connection was circle. After the check-in, we wanted to see what was emerging for people individually, and so we scheduled a paired walk exercise where individuals were paired up with other individuals who had different points of views and perspectives of their own. And in doing this, we were able to expand the perspectives, the horizons for all involved. The movement of this activity was emergent in nature, and the connection type was pairs. Once people had a chance to share what was emerging for them individually, we then segued into an exercise to determine what was emerging collectively for the group. So this was an opportunity for all to share what they felt were the emerging opportunities to share stories and understand any future state narratives. It was also an opportunity to understand the shared interests, the shared intentions that were emerging amongst the group. Bringing all the stakeholders together in this activity was meant to harness or aggregate the collective wisdom, the collective voice of the group. This was also an emergent movement, and the connection type was circle. Upon learning what was emerging collectively for the group, we then initiated an open space technology event. And the purpose of this activity was to explore possibility-centric future state opportunities. And in true open space fashion, it represented a follow-the-energy approach, 
where people were asked to migrate to those stations that interested them most in terms of topics or ideas to discuss. It was an opportunity to brainstorm further opportunities. And as all open space events do, it generated quite a bit of excitement, commitment, and engagement for all involved. The movement of this activity was convergent in nature, and the connection type was Stations Dialogue. And we concluded Day 2 with a review of the Emerging Change Agenda. It was an opportunity for everyone to align on the improvement areas, to address any individual concerns and or questions, and to participate in Next Steps planning. It was also an opportunity to identify initiative owners and volunteers to support each of those owners. And lastly, we conducted a checkout. This final activity also represented a convergent activity, and the connection type was circle. All right, now that we've looked at a real-life case study, let's deconstruct the case study itself. Let's look specifically at the innovation architecture, the hidden side of planning and designing this particular innovation sequence. So you might recall the first step in designing an innovation sequence is to create a shared understanding of the challenge, the issue, or the problem for all involved. And we did this by employing a number of different tools and tactics. The first of which began 45 days before the event, where we were seeking to understand the current state or prevailing points of view and collecting stories along the way. In harvesting these various stories, it gave the team an opportunity to play back all of that information in an aggregated, anonymous way to create a shared understanding amongst all involved of what the specific issues were and maybe how best to solve them. We ensured that this shared understanding would occur by offering or providing a pre-read report that was distributed one week prior to the event. Then we initiated a World Cafe event, three rounds of discussion that allowed people to discuss the specific content from the report. What were the emerging themes, the key highlights, and what did all of it mean? We designed into the event a self-reflection exercise for individual stakeholders to consider different points of view, both inside and outside the system. On day two, we initiated a paired walk exercise for individuals to discuss what was emerging for them individually to share their underlying mental models, and to perhaps challenge others' points of view. And we designed into the event various circle discussions on what was emerging collectively for all involved. So all of these activities were purposely or intentionally designed into the event to create a shared understanding of both what the issues were and perhaps how to solve the issues. The second key movement when designing an innovation sequence is to create a shared intention amongst all involved. That is to create a common goal from which to move forward from. To create a shared intention, we initiated an open space event, which provided opportunity for individuals to brainstorm solutions to their challenge. And because a shared understanding was developed prior to the open space event, the outcome of the open space event resulted in meaningful and transformative type of opportunities that represented a shared intention for the group. And with a shared intention comes aligned actions. And to reinforce this movement, we concluded the event with a change agenda discussion. We had people align on improvement ideas. We engaged in next steps planning. And lastly, we identified initiative owners and volunteers who could take the work further. And finally, and unbeknownst to all, we spent time trying to transform relations for all involved. 
And we did this through our check-in and check-out exercises where all voices were heard. We did this through the paired exercises from the initial interviews that we had prior to the event to the empathy walk that occurred on day one to all the full group exercises where each person had an opportunity to share their point of view to increase understanding amongst all others. Now, as you design your own innovation sequences, I would encourage you to allocate upwards of 70% of your time towards trying to create a shared understanding amongst the various stakeholders. The reason for this is that without creating a shared understanding, you never get to a point of creating a shared intention to creating common goals. That then leaves you 20% of your time to focus on that shared intention, on refining what those common goals are, and the remaining 10% of your time is spent planning follow-on actions post-dialogic event. So this is where a team would develop experiments to start role modeling the new. We can deconstruct this case study even further by looking at the visible side of the innovation architecture. And we do this by looking first at the end state. The end state of this particular innovation sequence was to help resolve an intractable multi-stakeholder issue. And in particular, wanting to walk out of the workshop with specific ideas on how to resolve the issue. This design was also reflective of several movements, nine movements in particular, that spanned the diverge, converge, and emerge movements that we talked about earlier. Multiple diagnostic, dialogic, and experiential tools were employed in this innovation sequence. In the diagnostic toolkit, we leveraged dialogue interviews, narrative harvesting, desk research, and data gathering. In the dialogic toolkit, we leveraged the World Cafe, the open space technology method, the circle method, and appreciative inquiry. And within the experiential toolkit, we leveraged empathy walks, and self-journaling and use of reflective learning journals. Our innovation sequence reflected many different forms of connecting, individual, pairs, circle, stations, and breakouts. Some of the key elements of our logistics planning involved creating team agreements, establishing a safe container where all could be vulnerable. We conducted the event in an off-site serene location. We selected a room that reflected significant open space, and we ensured that we had the necessary supplies to enable or support all the various activities within the event. And lastly, we gave deep consideration to the people. We had end-to-end -end system representation regarding the intractable issue that we are intended to resolve. We ensured that there was significant cognitive diversity represented, both conservative views and maverick views. And we made sure that there was significant demographic diversity, that there was a blend of individuals of different ages, experience levels, genders, roles and responsibilities, and level and seniority. So as you can see, designing innovation sequences is not a trivial affair. It requires deep consideration, planning, and design to ensure that you achieve your goals. Another case study that I'll share with you was a capability development training that we provided virtually, leveraging Miro as our design canvas, and this was a three-hour training event. So the virtual event started with a welcome and check-in. There was a welcome message. We did a round of introductions and intention setting. We provided the objectives for the day, and then we initiated a centering practice to get us started. This was a divergent activity, and the connection type was circle. 
From there, we initiated the first of a few training segments where we were training on specific capabilities to develop in our staff. This was more of a convergent activity, and the connection type was circle. After the training segment, we had each person engage in some individual reflection leveraging the Miro tool. Within the Miro tool, individuals provided their reflections on the training content and what was emerging for them individually. This represented more of an emergent type of movement, and the connection type was individual. From there, we engaged in a group knowledge share, where individuals had the opportunity to share their stories, their narratives, their thoughts. It was an opportunity for the instructor to provide their comments, provide feedback on what individuals were saying, and it was an opportunity to learn what was emerging collectively for the group. This was an emergent activity, and the connection type was circle. After the group knowledge share, we engaged in a second round of training, which was a convergent activity, and the connection type was circle. We then initiated a breakout assignment, again leveraging the Miro Canvas tool. The subteams were provided challenge questions for subgroup discussion, and then to prepare for plenary knowledge share. This movement was divergent in nature, and the connection type was breakout dialogue. Once the breakout assignment was complete, we then came together in the form of a group knowledge share. Here again, it was an opportunity for individuals to share their stories, their narratives, another opportunity for the instructor to provide feedback on what he or she was learning and what was emerging collectively for the group at this point. This was also an emergent movement, and the connection type was circle. After the group knowledge share, we conducted our final training segment of the day. This was a convergent movement, and the connection type was circle. After this final training segment, we then had another breakout discussion leveraging the Miro tool. Again, subteams were provided challenge questions for subgroup discussion, and then to prepare for a plenary knowledge share. This was a divergent activity, and the connection type was breakout dialogue. And we concluded the three-hour training event with a group knowledge share and checkout. We discussed what was emerging for the group, the key lessons that were learned, any ahas along the way, and how to apply what had been learned during the day. And we concluded the event with a checkout. This was an emergent movement, and the connection type was circle. And the final case study that I'll share with you was also a capability development training event. It was a virtual event that was three hours in length, and we leveraged Google's Jamboard as our digital Canvas tool. For this event, we started with a welcome and check-in, as we always do. And from there, we initiated the first training segment of the day. After providing the capability development training, we then had individuals reflect privately on what was emerging for them individually. We then paired up individuals to share their stories, their narratives, and their ideas with someone else who might have been quite different from their own in terms of perspectives and points of view. We then brought the team together to see what was emerging collectively. After that, we initiated the second training segment of the day, after which we initiated a breakout discussion leveraging Google's Jamboard, where subteams were provided challenge questions for subgroup discussion. We then initiated two rounds of open space to discuss different topics in a follow-the-energy way. And finally, we concluded the three-hour virtual event with a group knowledge share and checkout. So as you can see with case study number two and number three, you can leverage digital Canvas tools to help facilitate a virtual event and leveraging all the design elements as you would if you were designing an in-person event. 
We conclude this episode by sharing the critical success factors when designing and leading an innovation sequence. The first prerequisite is to assemble a team of influential, insightful actors that are representative of the whole system, reflecting the multiple different perspectives and point of views that comprise the system. A second critical success factor is that you leverage skilled guides, aka OD and change professionals. Collaboration on problems that are characterized by overwhelming complexity, confusion, and conflict requires expert facilitation. Another critical success factor is that you establish a strong container. In order to experiment with new ways of talking and acting, the team needs a structured space to do their work that is suitably set up. Our role as OD and change professionals is to create the conditions for transformative change to occur. A fourth critical success factor is to acquire the right resources. Social, human, and financial resources must be available at a scale that matches the scale of the challenge. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, it requires a generative approach, a creative experimental method that engages team members' whole selves, their head, their heart, and their hands, to enable breakthrough results to occur. The hybrid OD approach is one approach. So these are the factors that minimally, as an OD or change professional or business transformation consultant, that you need to get right to design and execute an effective innovation sequence. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you found the content in this episode helpful. Please share your comments below, and if you like this video, hit the subscribe button and click the bell to get notified of all future weekly episodes. Also, don't forget to get your free resource. If you're watching on YouTube, click the link below in the description or visit henosispartners.com workshop. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again on the next episode.